check. You knew that was coming. It's heat check time. Welcome to the Heat Check Podcast. I'm your host, John Gonzalez in the Bay Area. Isaac Lee, our producer, back in Los Angeles per usual. Shouts to Isaac. Uh, was in Oakland for games one and two. Game two just wrapped up. Right now I'm in San Francisco. In the morning, I'll fly to Cleveland. NBA never stops. The finals continue. We've got all your NBA content on the ringer. You want to check out Haley O'Shaughnessy wrote about game two, as did Danny Chow. Kevin O'Connor's got a big piece on the ringer. You're going to want to check that out, and he'll be on in just a second here. We've also got NBA Desktop with Jason Concepcion on Tuesday and Friday. That's been a blast. Really loved his uh, Brian Colangelo collars bit. Uh, I was a little less thrilled about him making jokes about my face and the meme from the locker room, but that's fine. It's still a good show. You check that out. Uh, and of course, you've got Bill Simmons podcast. He just did a podcast with Jesus and Miro. And also he did post game reaction from game two. So you want to listen to all of that. You want to watch all of that. You want to read all of that. That's all good stuff. But right now we've got our post game reaction from game two with my partner in crime. This entire series. Let's bring him in. Boom, He's heating up. All right, joining me, I would normally say on the other line or in studio. Instead, joining me right now from his very own hotel room, it's Kevin O'Connor. What's, <laughs> What's up, going buddy? on, Gons? How you well, doing? Excellent, my man. We have spent the better part of this entire week together bopping around to yes. practices and games. We went, we had a nice dinner with the boss man. Bus Bill. rides and everything. We had, were yeah. on the bus, and, and Bill took us out for a nice dinner. We just got done with game two, which was what we kind of expected from the Warriors all along. And not at all good for the Cavaliers. It's bad news. Bad news for Cleveland. I, I think, look, they came into the series guns with a pretty solid, well-executed game plan. However, there's only so much that you can do against mm. Stephen Curry when he is pulling up from 35 feet, flinging shots up into the air. You need to take the ball out of his hand somehow. And they haven't done that. They haven't trapped. They haven't blitzed. They're just switching and letting Curry do his thing. So the uh, Warriors won game two by uh, 19 points. They go up 2-0 in the series. And as Kevin just mentioned, the big thing was Steph Curry. I mean, Steph Curry was good to start, and then he just absolutely caught fire. He had 33 points, eight assists, seven rebounds. But he made nine three-pointers, which was an NBA Finals record, Kevin. And also, Kevin, the same number of three-pointers as the Cavaliers made as a team. Oh, my God. That is gross. That is really bad. And that's the thing. Everybody was talking before this game. Maybe Cleveland shoots the ball better in game two because they didn't shoot it at all well in game one. But here's the thing. Are you really going to bank on George Hill, J.R. Smith, <laughs> Jeff Green? Like if Rodney Hood got a chance, are you really going to bank on these guys to elevate their play to a higher level or are you going to bet on Steph to go off? And that's exactly what happened. And KD was much better this game as well. Yeah, not only that, I mean, so when you mentioned about Golden State going off and Steph Curry having a crazy game and he had as many three-pointers as the entire Cavaliers team combined, just to put that into perspective, David West hit a three-pointer, which was uh, more three-pointers than Jeff Green, uh, <laughs> Jordan Clarkson, Kyle Korver. Yeah, more than Kyle Korver. <laughs> Kyle Korver and Rodney Hood combined, one. So not a good night for the Cavaliers. And I think it's got to be a point of major frustration. Like we spent a lot of time talking about the Cavaliers because with the Warriors, it's like, it's much more likely that they're going to be good on any given night. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're looking for a storyline that will say to us, oh, maybe the Cavs can climb into this series. Right. And in game one, it looked like that. They were like, 
if not for J.R. Smith, if not for a charge and a block call that gets reversed, if not for them losing their cool and their composure and just falling apart in overtime. And some of the officiating as and well. And some of yeah, the yeah. officiating, yeah. absolutely. But they could have stolen a game. So we like we focus on Cleveland because we're hoping that they get into it. But like you mentioned, I mean, you look at this team and beyond LeBron James, nobody did anything. <laughs> well, Kevin Love was fine. Not defensively, but offensively. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think it is. It's a, a false hope, though. It really is. I mean, talking to people before the game, it's like, hey, you know, is it going to come back to Oakland? Gonna, it's like, eh, probably not. Probably not. You don't think that, that no. LeBron can steal a game at home? I mean, he's LeBron James, so yeah. of course he could. Right. But look, with LeBron, 29 points tonight, 13 assists, nine rebounds, two steals. Killer game. I mean, it, it's a good game, a yeah. great game. It's fantastic. That's that's unbelievable for LeBron James, but it's not really. It's just not. It's actually not compared to what we know he can do. Uh, but you can't expect that every game from him. You just can't. So it was the 11th time that LeBron has had a 20-point, 10-assist NBA Finals game. That's more than Jordan and Curry combined. It was the 39th time he's had a 20-point NBA Finals game, which tied Kareem for the most since 1964. And yet, as Kevin mentioned, still not enough. And I think this is something that like you've mentioned previously that I find really, really interesting, where... You look at LeBron and you go, that's a crazy game, right? But it's still not enough. And like yeah. earlier in the playoffs, you you mentioned this on Heat Check where we were like, uh, the Pelicans got through, right? And they're playing the Warriors. And, and I said, you know, Anthony Davis had a good game. Anthony Davis had something like 22 and 12. And you said they need 45 and 20 from him. And that's kind of what the Cavs need from, like they basically need game one LeBron in every game for them to have a chance. So before game one, I had I was texting with two executives one of them said to me, he's like, LeBron's going to have to shoot 80% for them to win this game. And another one said he's going to have to score 50. He scored 50. He got yeah. the 50, but he had to shoot 80%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Like, that, like, that's where the line needs to be. So, you know, in our NBA Slack earlier tonight, I mentioned, I was like, is LeBron being too passive tonight? And, and it sounds, sounds crazy. It sounds so dumb to say <laughs> that when he's having such a fantastic night. Yeah. But it's like... Maybe he is because you do need that 45 to 50 points for him because there's just no other way for this team. I just don't. It is unreasonable to expect LeBron James to do that on a nightly basis because it's not realistic. However, it's what they need to win the finals. And if we're talking about what Cleveland needs to do to win the finals, they need LeBron James to go off every single game. Yeah, and it's, and it's not even just to win the finals. It's to make the finals competitive, right? Because like, yes. yeah, to like win the finals. Of, right, it's right. That's what just, it took. Right, and even then they couldn't overcome their own stupidity and their own mistakes and their own J.R. Smithness. And the fact they still didn't get enough shooting from everywhere else on the roster either. Right, exactly right. I mean, like th that roster is exactly as bad as we've been talking about all season long. And yet- Since October. Since October. And yet- even after the like, change, when, even, when for a moment we thought it was better. Right, Pre-trade, <laughs> post-trade, going into the finals against the Pacers, yep. uh, against the Celtics. Yep. But the thing is, like, and I just wrote about that this week with the other, the other Cavaliers. I, I did two parts on the other Cavaliers. One being they, they know how bad they've been and like they hear everything that we say about them. And yet. They listen still, to the Ringer NBA show. Well, they of course listen <laughs> to the Heat Check podcast and Thank group you. chat and all those. And of course, you and Verno. Yes. Oh, and by the way, shouts to Verno. Uh, we did a video for Verno where Kevin O'Connor recreated Escape from Oracle, <laughs> which was excellent. So I highly recommend you check that out on the ringer.com. But um, the other Cavaliers, like, they haven't been good all season and they know they haven't been good. And yet they're still alive, right? They're, there's only two teams playing. So every time we count them out, this team's still like. 
is around. Should Tai Lu start playing some of the other Cavaliers that weren't good? I'm talking about like the Runny Hoods of the World, the, the Jetty Osmonds, because look, Jordan Clarkson is not getting it done. Yes, you can say, oh, he brings a little bit of defensive energy, but come on, dude. This guy, his favorite player is himself. He's not playing well on the offensive end of the floor as well at all. So yeah. why not give Rodney Hood a shot? Maybe he continues to stink as he did post-trade, but guess what? He was an 18-point-per-game scorer in Utah, so maybe you can get that out of him. Give Jetty Osman a chance, a guy who hustles on defense, who can pass the ball unselfishly, and who can maybe try to hit some spot-up threes for you better than Jordan Clarkson at whatever sub-30% rate that he's hitting at. I think Ty Lue in Game 3 needs to shake it up and give some of these other, other Cleveland guys a chance over the Jordan Clarksons of the world. Osman and uh, Hood had a combined four minutes each, combined eight minutes. I did the math. I'm very good at it. Jordan Clarkson <laughs> also had a total of eight minutes. So it's not like he was out there a ton. I think that at some point, Ty Lue looked at it and went, oh yeah, Jordan Clarkson yeah, not helping us, definitely hurting us. But I think to get back to the LeBron point, because all roads lead back to LeBron for the Cavs, but you you mentioned to me during the game, and this was 100% true, and I think it all ties back to the other Cavaliers, right? Like, he's zipping these passes around. He's he's playing. He played 44 minutes tonight. You see that one he had to Jeff Green when he, when he was underneath yes. the rim? Yes, and what it happened? Like, it was Nothing. like 90 miles per hour. Yeah. I, I want to see the speedometer on that It was ball. crazy. Was unbelievable. He's unbelievable, and he's doing all these things, and yet his teammates can't execute once he gets yeah. the ball to them. He was trying to get them involved, which I think is why we didn't see a 50-point performance from LeBron tonight because yeah. he thought, okay, I'm going to need some help from them. But you mentioned how frustrated he looked by it because he was making all these fantastic plays and they were making no fantastic plays. Yeah, there was probably maybe 10 times over the course of the game where he just put his arms up in the air and sometimes it was because of a non-call, which mm -hmm. as you would expect, LeBron's done that his entire career. But other times it was a little bit of frustration with his teammates. There was one time when Larry Nance inbounded the ball, I think it was at the end of the second quarter, to Jeff Green for whatever reason. Jeff Green was covered. LeBron's open to the left and after the ball was went out of bounds, LeBron just held his hands up as if yeah. to say... I'm open. Yeah. Hello. I'm open. I'm LeBron James, perhaps the greatest player of all time. <laughs> the greatest, according to Nick Wright. You and I, which I agree with, by the way. <laughs> the other day, when I said uh, LeBron James is the greatest player of his era, and you said, the greatest ever. Ever. And I said era, and you said ever, and we went back and forth. It was like a, a really bad. Save, save it for another day. Yeah, it was yeah. A, a really bad uh, who's on first bet. But with LeBron, like, I don't know how much more he can give, right? Because he played 44 minutes in game two. He played 48 minutes in game one, which went to overtime. He played the full 48 in game seven versus Boston. <laughs> Going back to game six versus Boston, the goat. he played 46 minutes. The goat. <laughs> so like what we're missing here is a combined, what, four minutes plus uh, seven minutes is 11 minutes over the and last. And he's still in the finals. He sat, he sat 11 <laughs> minutes in the last four games. Kevin, that's insane. He went to the finals with this team. It's Swept the Raptors with this team. He beat the best defense in basketball with this team. He went to overtime the game one with this team. I'm not arguing that he's a GOAT, but uh, right now, I'm not going to get into that. But the fact is, is no, you can't expect more. Like, he's already given everything. He has to he be exhausted. Oh, no kidding. He has to be. I mean, I think we can see it on the court sometimes with... There was one time, I, I forget when this happened. Um, I, th I want to say it was maybe middle of the third quarter, mm -hmm. but he didn't cross half court until there was like 16 seconds left on the clock. The ball, the, you know, the offense is already being initiated yeah. by one of his teammates. And like he didn't get across half court until 16 seconds left because he's taken that little bit of a breather any chance he can get. Well, not only that, but there were multiple long stretches during the game where he was guarding KD. 
So they're yeah. like, not only was he asked to do all of that at the offensive end, and not only has he not taken hardly any in-game time off in the playoffs, like since game six, where they were facing elimination and now they're facing the Warriors and pretty much every game against the Warriors, <laughs> they're playing it like an elimination game. But on top of that, they're asking him to guard one of the most dynamic players on the other team, right? I mean, like that's got to be absolutely exhausting for him. It's almost unfair to ask him to guard at all. Yeah. With what he does on offense. Well, look what's happening a lot with the, with the Warriors. Like you ended up with Steph on LeBron James a lot. Right, because they're just like, all right, well, we're not going to put KD on him. We're going to save KD, and we'll see how it goes. And like, Steph isn't actually guarding LeBron when they switch him into those pick yeah, and they're rolls. Really helping off, right? They're yeah, helping off yeah. of him, and, and they know what they're doing with that. With LeBron, though, he's giving maximum effort. All of a sudden, he's Deadpool, and he's giving maximum effort uh, on the defensive end against KD. And I just don't know how he sustains it. What more can the man do? We watched him in Game One score fifty-one points on nineteen of thirty-two shooting. It was to me, I thought maybe the most remarkable live game that I've seen in person. It, it was just truly astounding seeing what he was doing. But then in that overtime period to go back to game one, Golden State just really sold out just on LeBron because all right. Cleveland was doing was calling a screen to get a switch onto Stephen Curry, isolating LeBron at the top of the key and letting him go to work. But the problem is, is that the paint was just completely full of Golden State defenders and Cleveland players who couldn't space the floor. So the fact is, is LeBron had no space to do anything at that point in the game when Golden State was really just selling out on him. To me, that captured the series where he just can't do it all by himself. He needs help, and he's not getting it at all. He, he needs his teammates to have a hot shooting game, like right. people talked about going into game two. He needs the defensive scheme to, I think, change. I don't think they can continue just switching pick and rolls on Curry. I think they need to start blitzing and trapping and trying to get the ball out of that guy's hands because Golden State is at their best when Stephen Curry initiates the offense. Not KD. We've seen that over the course of the season when Steph's been out at times. They're at their best with Steph, so they need to try to get the ball out of his hands because guess what? Yeah. Maybe it doesn't work because it's probably not. But you get to try because what you're doing now, it's not working, period, and the story. <laughs> so try something new. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. I mean, like offensively, I want to get into the defensive part for the Cavs in a second here. But offensively, you know, Kevin Love was fine offensively. He he made three threes. He had 22 points, 10 rebounds, 7 of 18 from the floor. Beyond that, nothing. You've got, no, you've got nothing. You had, you and know, he was just Tristan Thompson. Yeah, he was fine. just fine. He's fine. He's so he fine. fine. How are you doing today? Um, I'm doing fine. Yeah. That's what Kevin Love was. Yeah, was and then you had George Hill, who was a minus 11. He had 15 points. He shot just five for 12 from the floor. I don't think you're getting nearly enough out of him. And then beyond that, you're, you don't have anybody doing anything. Jeff Green really came back down to earth and did. <laughs> I mean, like not like Jeff Green, <laughs> Jeff Green, Jeff Green is always on earth. Yeah, exactly. his heart. Um, it's when he's not. That's right. That's then, then you look yeah. and you go, oh, wow. Jeff Green it, had a couple did, podium. Did games. you see the NBA desktop video that they did? Yeah. Like, <laughs> It was fantastic. The, the good Jeff Green game. Shocking news around the world. Yeah, that's what it is. It I mean, like well you, you should like that's when it's surprising, right? Yeah. When you get a good Jeff Green game. So then you look at the roster and we've done this all year long. But OK, so you need Kevin Love. And then beyond that, you've got Tristan Thompson in the starting lineup. He's not going to help you. You've got uh, George Hill in the, in the starting lineup. He's had periods where he's helped you, but not really. You've got J.R. Smith in the starting lineup, and he said after the game, I just wasn't good. Yeah, no kidding. Like, first you killed them at the end of game one by forgetting what the situation was. And then you killed them in, in game two with five <laughs> points. And by the way, yeah. shouts to the Warriors fans 
who chanted MVP. MVP. Oh. MVP. It was a classic troll job by the Bay, and it was really good. And I like Tyloo was asked about that and said, you know, do you think that the crowd got to J.R. Smith? And Tyloo said, not much gets to J.R. Smith. Mm. And I think that's probably right. Like, I don't think J.R. Smith cared about that, but he no. just didn't play well. And they need him to get super, super hot. And he hasn't been. I mean, I think I think that's what JR has almost always been as a player, just on on and off player. And right now, really not just right now, but this entire season, in a way, he just has been yeah. off. He's 32 years old. He's not what he once was. Someone posted some clips of him on uh, Twitter the other day, like back in the Nuggets days and the Knicks days when he was like one of the best dunkers on the league. That's not J.R. Smith anymore. He's not that guy who's going to go off. This season, he was an eight-point-per-game scorer who occasionally shows up and does yeah, a little bit more than occasionally. that. But he's not the same guy anymore. Not the same guy anymore. And then on the on the bench, as you mentioned, they have nothing. So then that's killing them offensively. This is supposed to be like, you know, two great offenses going at each other. And it's one great mm. offense and then LeBron James. And then defensively, and you mentioned this, and this is <laughs> Still really a great offense when you're yeah, just LeBron. <laughs> it really is. But then like uh defensively, in the same way that the Cavs are trying to get the the matchups that they want by putting LeBron James in favorable pick and rolls, and they end up with Steph Curry on them a lot, that's fine. But the inverse is true. And you mentioned it. When the Warriors are putting Kevin Love in the pick and roll and all of a sudden Kevin Love is guarding Steph Curry. That is a recipe for absolute fucking disaster, which it was in the second half. That's how a lot of those three balls that went down, one of which you and I were standing on the court. We did a little video for the ringer and we we're standing right by it. He tossed one up that was an absolute rainbow and drained it. And then he hit one in the corner like a couple possessions later on Kevin Love where he fell and drained that one too. Kevin Love has no business being out there. And they've got to figure out a way to avoid that. And, and I feel like Kevin Love, you know, within the role that he's being asked to play, he's doing fine. He's Kevin Love's doing what he's what he's being told to do. But the fact is, I don't think you can continue telling him to switch those screens. I and think, being out in the perimeter trying to guard Steph Curry, that's not as bad. Yeah, it, not only that, but it also takes him away from the rim, too, too. right? Yep. Where he's at his best when he's rebounding the ball, um, when he's, I think, when I, I think when Kevin Love is dropping as a defender, that's when he's at his best. You can't do that against Golden State. That's why I think you need to trap. Look at what Cleveland did in the first round against Victor Oladipo and the Indiana Pacers. They very aggressively came out blitzed, mm -hmm. trapped, took the ball out of Oladipo's hands and put it in Miles Turner's hands, Demonis Sabonis's hands, and made those guys have to make plays off the dribble or have them make have to make him into a scorer. Well, guess what? You can try to do that against Golden State too because aside from the three greatest shooters ever, <laughs> maybe yeah. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson, there's not a lot on that team that you're especially afraid of when they're spotting up behind the arc, whether it's Draymond Green, or Nick Young, you're really scared of Swaggy P. Sean Livingston doesn't shoot threes. JaVale McGee doesn't shoot threes. Kevon Looney doesn't shoot threes. I don't care that David West hit a three tonight. He's not a three-point <laughs> shooter. They don't have any threatening shooters on right. their team. So that is a recipe for being able to help off those guys and aggressively taking the ball out of Stephen Curry's hands and force somebody else to make a play on that team. Because when Steph does it, what you're doing now, not working. Do something else. Yeah, it's really not working for Cleveland Cavaliers. We spent a lot of time talking about Cleveland. We haven't really spent much time on this podcast yet talking about the team that's been the best team in the NBA for a long time now. It's up 2 nothing in the finals, as we expected, the Golden State Warriors. So we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsors. We'll come back and talk Golden State. Today's Ringer NBA show Heat Check is brought to you by Simply Safe. 
Here's why we here at The Ringer are big fans of Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe is ready for anything that gets thrown at it. If a storm takes out your power, Simply Safe is ready. If an intruder cuts your phone line, Simply Safe is ready. Say they destroy your keypad or siren, Simply Safe will still get you the help you need. And hey, maybe it's overkill. Maybe you don't need to be ready for every worst case scenario, but Simply Safe is always ready just in case. That's what makes it great. Now Simply Safe could cost an arm and a leg. It should, but it doesn't. And that's just because they're good people. They charge you what's fair, what's right, and that's $14.99 a month. There's no contracts, no hidden fees. I'd recommend Simply Safe to everyone I know. You've got to go check it out. Go today to simplysafe.com slash NBA. That's simplysafe.com slash NBA. Heat Check is also brought to you by Michelin. Whether your tires are new or worn, you should have the confidence to get where you need to be. That's why Michelin designed the Michelin Premier Tires with worn performance in mind. Michelin Premier Tires are built to maintain wet braking performance throughout the life of the tire. Get there no matter the weather, thanks to the Michelin Premier Tires Evergrip technology, which helps maintain wet braking performance even as your tires wear. And now you can compare the Michelin Premier all-season tires, worn tire braking versus leading competitors at michelinman.com slash long-lasting performance. And now, back to Heat Check. All right, so we're back on Heat Check. We're in uh, KOC's hotel room here, which, by the way, <laughs> this is a much better setup. So I have been on the road as listeners uh, to the Heat Check podcast know for much of the playoffs. And I did a podcast on the road in Philly. I did one in uh, D.C. with House, which was super fun. I did one in Cleveland. In T- two tell of, us about that one. <laughs> in two of those three, I was in a hotel room by myself with some rando engineer that Isaac dispatched <laughs> to, to, to meet me. And um, so KOC, thank you for hosting. Yeah. This is a much better setup. Yeah, no, no problem, God. Not <laughs> nearly as weird. Still weird. Yeah. Still weird, but not nearly as weird. Uh, so the Warriors, KOC, you and I were talking about this as we were walking to your room to set this up. And you had said, all anybody is talking about is the Cavaliers. And I had said, yeah, because we expect the Warriors just to be good, right? Mm-hmm. We expect them to be the favorites in the series, which they are. We expect them to go ahead in the series, which they have. We expect them to be the dominant team, which they've looked like. Mm-hmm. And they've somehow managed all the boxes. to be, yeah, they've somehow managed to make being excellent look boring. I wonder, I don't know if I want to spoil stuff that I want to write about, but I wonder when does it get boring for them? I I wrote about this earlier in the year. Yeah, I did yeah, a whole like, piece thing, yeah, like yeah. now, but that was different yeah, yeah, because yes. it was regular season. Regular season. When does it get boring to win in the finals? Yeah, <laughs> like the I think the regular season it definitely is boring for them. They coasted the entire season. Yeah, but when does it get boring? Now they need a challenger. Right now, Cleveland isn't that challenger. Will it be Houston next year? They were this year. Houston certainly was a challenge. Yeah, they were. Will Houston come back and be better next year? Even push them more. Even though it went seven games, will Boston with Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward push them in the finals? They need a challenge, man, because right now Cleveland's not it. Cleveland is not that challenge, even though it's been four years in a row. Even though Cleveland had the 3 1 comeback, which yeah. was unbelievable to watch, it's different now because since that happened, they have Kevin Durant. It's, it's, it's like before and after the 3 1 comeback. After the 3 1 comeback, it's a completely different era in my book. And right now they don't have what is a worthy adversary. And I hope they get that. They're their own adversary, right? Like, like, and that's not as interesting to them. It's, I think why they've been so bored Bored to us. Right. I think that's why they've been so bored during the regular season. And then they get into the playoffs and they go, okay, well, at least it's the playoffs. Yes. And now I think like, 
they're at the point where they're just kind of playing against themselves. It's like if you're playing against they, yourself in a video are. game or something. They are. Like Sean Livingston was asked about this at the practice the other day. I forget who asked it, but the question was basically something like, did you ever expect that you would have a hard time getting hungry in the playoffs, like in the finals? Yeah. And Livingston was pretty honest and he was like, I mean, you're hungry. Like you want to win a championship, obviously, but yeah, it's a little surprising that the taste isn't what it was was the first time. Right. Because they've done it so much already. It is different. It's different. And Kerr's mentioned this, right? He's talked about it openly. Yeah. He's talked about like different ways that they've got to figure out to motivate mm -hmm. themselves, right? And there were times in the playoffs where he called them out for not showing up because yes. there are games they just will flat and take off. Yep. Right. And then who knows? Maybe we're in store for one of those in the in the finals when it goes to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's how Cleveland ends up stealing one, a combination of them being sort of bored with themselves and or, LeBron just having a monster effort. Or maybe we already got it. Or maybe we, just we don't already know got it. it and, we just don't know it. Well, maybe we already got it and J.R. Smith didn't know it. <laughs> maybe that's actually what happened. But like, like look at what for this game, I mean, Kevin Durant had a fantastic game. As we mentioned, Steph Curry went off. And then you had Clay Thompson, who almost missed his first ever playoff game, didn't and came back. And uh afterwards he said, uh, you know, I wish somebody had told me you don't really realize how much you need your ankles or how much you use them. Yeah. And Steph Curry went, you could have just asked me. <laughs> Which like, so that was a great buddy yeah, cop that, routine that, that's for them. true. But like, uh, Clay, by, by, by the way, Clay was killer. One quick thing. Yeah. With Steph killing it, he was unbelievable tonight. He was unbelievable. Nine of 17, 33 from points, but he's still only 11 of 26 from the, from the floor. Right. Like there's still even a higher level for him. Right. KD only 10 of 14, turning that into 25 shots. There's a higher level for him too. Like th this team still has room to even be better than what we've seen. I felt that way in last year's finals too, in the five game win that they had over Cleveland. And I feel that way through two games. There's still another level for this team. It's weird too, because I'm looking at the box score right now. Draymond didn't do anything tonight. Right, I mean, he like he played. He offensively, was, I offensively, mean, defensively, he, defensively, he's all over he the was place. excellent. Yeah. Offen in, in, I'm the, talking in the about box, for them score. to get to one twenty-two. Defensively, he was great. And, seven and he, had, and he was up seven, seven assists. Seven assists to zero turnovers. He was a facilitator. He was amazing on that part. But I'm saying they didn't need him to do anything. But like those intangible Draymond things, mm -hmm. and they still beat Cleveland by nineteen. Right. So and I think that's really the special thing about their team is that you don't need Draymond to do more than that like that's yeah, really he what can, Draymond he does can best. rebound he can play defense he can be a great passer mm -hmm. and he's fantastic that's that's what you need from him and all like you had JaVale McGee start the game he went six for six it was we had a JaVale McGee game in 18 minutes I mean it was crazy just just clowning sometimes it, <laughs> I mean it, it's just silly I, I, I didn't expect to see David West play an 11 minute game mm -hmm. either but Steve Kerr can just throw anybody out there he kind of can't I mean, like, and and you mentioned like when with the rest of their guys, like beyond Kevin Durant and Curry and Thompson, it's not like they have like killer shooters, but they don't really need them because they have yeah. those three guys. So it really is kind of a challenge. They they would against a better defense, I think, because. But what defense exists that's better, right? That can really I mean, Cle stymie Cle them. I mean, Cleveland's, Cleveland's like, not a good defense. It's a poor, very poor defense. I mean, like a really good defense. Like Houston did a much better job sure. against Golden State. We just saw it last round, turning them into more of an isolation team, making all their off ball, their fancy, cute cuts off mm -hmm. ball, the, the nice off ball screens that they set, made it tougher on them because that team can defend really one through five, whereas Cleveland doesn't defend one through five at all. They just, nobody on this team really defends. I want to uh, <laughs> expose you just a little bit here because uh, we were watching that game and we were talking about 
you know, like how good the Warriors looked and how good Steph looked. And you noted that the Cavs defense was terrible. And in your KOC way said the Cavs defense is ass. And I was like, it is, it's, <laughs> it's, it hasn't been good. It hasn't been good all year. It hasn't been good in two no. years. When was the last time you looked at, remember going into last year's playoffs, the narrative was, oh man, like can a team with a defense this bad yep. challenge for a championship? And that narrative has continued since. And and I think the answer is no, unless you have LeBron James, right? <laughs> right. Like right. If you you have LeBron James. He he's he's the trump card to any of those historical arguments. But against Golden State, Golden State is ultimately you do need to have a great defense. Obviously, I think Houston showed the template last round. They gave it to him. They, Houston really did make it tough on Golden State. That certainly, to me, does feel like it was the real finals. This is going to go down in history as the NBA Finals, Cleveland versus Golden State for the fourth year in a row. But to me, that last round matchup, Houston versus Golden State, that was a true battle of two Titan teams. Yeah. It just so happens that one of the main guys, Chris Paul, unfortunately and got sucked. hurt in game six and seven. And maybe things would have been different. Maybe not. Maybe the Warriors would have reached another level that I think they could potentially have. But Maybe not, man. Houston must be really kicking themselves right now, huh? Yeah, Look well, it, su- it sucks man. because, I mean, like, you lose Chris Paul, and it's like, now what, right? Like, that that was really the killer, and there's nothing they can do about it. And you mentioned that, like, defensively, they obviously were a better defensive team during the regular season, and they just played better defensively against the Warriors. What were they doing differently that, the, like, that either the Cavs aren't doing or that the Cavs aren't capable of doing because like it's easier I think for the Warriors to make adjustments mm-hmm. like um, before game two Steve Kerr was asked okay what are you going to do defensively to stop LeBron right and somebody asked him that before the game and he goes yeah. hey this is great and all I applaud you for trying but I'm not going to give away my defensive matchups right before the game that yeah. seems sort of silly to me yeah. but clearly they were better at preventing him now he was doing other things mm-hmm. but he didn't go off for 51 points and part of that was him trying to facilitate part of that was they were just better the inverse is tougher right it's a tougher calculus for Ty Lue. they don't have the same personnel the, their defensive schemes aren't as good. They haven't been good defensively all year. Like, what can they possibly do? What can they adjust? That's the first thing always to me. Is you, you look at the personnel, and clearly, <laughs> I mean, clearly Cleveland's personnel is not close to on par with what Houston had and with a bunch of switchy, versatile, high-effort defenders led by someone like P.J. Tucker, who was just fantastic that series for the Houston Rockets. But not only that, because of that personnel, I think you're allowed to do a little bit more with your scheme. Like if they can help off, they're better at helping and recovering. Um, There's better communication on the defensive end of the floor. And that's one part that might be a little bit tough for Cleveland communicating on the defensive end, communicating the right switches or the right non switches. I'm sure that's might help for them at home playing in games three and four, but maybe not if the scheme doesn't change because your personnel still isn't that great. Look, man, We've said it all year. It's really nothing new now. Cleveland's personnel is just not good around LeBron James. They gave up a first-round pick for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance. Like, I didn't fault them for, okay, you had to shake it up, right? It clearly wasn't working chemistry-wise. The team was in trouble. LeBron just gave an interview to Rachel Nichols where he flat out said, like, if you had asked me before the trade deadline if I thought that we were definitely going to the finals, I I definitely wasn't thinking that. The interview was fantastic. I highly recommend it. Rachel Nichols is excellent. You you know what else he said? (laughs) Is your relationship with Dan Gilbert going to play play a role in your free agency? He's like, ha, 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 we'll see. Yeah, yeah. it was like very cryptic, (laughs) right? Big big grin on his face. It was very cryptic. It's like, yeah, we'll see. (laughs) I don't, but I don't. 
Bye, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like it was, it was, it was bad. And he was saying it was bad. And it was probably going to be bad with Dan Gilbert coming up. But like for me, I don't fault them for making the switches at the trade deadline because they had chemistry issues. Fine. But I do, however, like, and even George Hill and, and Rodney Hood, those additions made sense to me. You needed a, a point guard of some sort because you've had point guard problems all year. George Hill's a good defender in theory or has been in the past and he could help you a <laughs> yeah. little bit. Theor- Rodney Hood, theoretically. <laughs> Rodney Hood theoretically to me made sense because I was like, oh, they need offense. He's he's a good scorer. This is going to be perfect for them. Hasn't been the case. The thing I didn't understand, even though you had to jettison Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder, the thing I didn't understand was giving up a first round pick for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance. That's a killer. You know, the funny thing is, is when that deal happened, I almost overlooked that first round pick in a way. And I feel silly now looking back because it seems so ridiculous to give up the it's first. Ridiculous. But looking back in the moment, it's like, oh, you know, Larry Nance is pretty good. <laughs> He's a young player. I thought he, I thought Larry Nance <laughs> would be good with LeBron. And maybe moving forward, he will be a good player. Larry Nance is still, you know, young. He's only 25 years old, which is not super young, but young enough. Jordan Clarkson, ooh, doesn't, doesn't yeah. look good. I, I mean, I, I was hoping, and I'm sure uh, the Cleveland front office felt the same way, is maybe you take these young 25-year-old players and stick them in a winning situation. Maybe their play elevates. And guess what? Maybe that happens. If LeBron James returns next season to Cleveland, maybe having a full summer, full training camp, a full season together, maybe Larry Nance Jr. and Jordan Clarkson do look better. Just because it looks like crap right now doesn't mean it will later, but it certainly doesn't look good, just to be fair. Yeah, it doesn't. We'll see if it looks any better coming up in games three and four as the series uh, shifts to Cleveland. We're going to take one more break from our sponsors, and then we'll preview what we think is going to happen next. Today's Heat Check is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. With the results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, our listeners at HeatCheck can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA, ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And now, back to HeatCheck. All right, KOC, I am on a plane. Uh, as people are listening to this, I'm on a plane. It's impressive. I'm, I'm in two places at once. I'm on a plane to Cleveland, four games, three and four. Um, <laughs> he's LeBron, right? He could steal a game. We're really on a plane right now, guys? We're on a plane. Wow. We're on our... Imagine what everybody I can use my imagination. <laughs> yes. So Le- LeBron, what's he thinking right now? I mean... He's thinking, God damn it. I need better teammates. Why don't they make any shots? Uh, I wish J.R. Smith hadn't brain locked in game one. That was our best. In a way, that was the game where that could have changed the face of the series, right? Not even in a way. You it could have split. Yeah. Going you back. Get a, you you get split, a split three and four. But is it possible, though, that they go and they pull what Cleveland has been doing all season long and they surprise us just because they play better at home and they steal one or even two? 
It sounds crazy to say can Two? LeBron steal steal a game at his own no, gym. No, I don't think it's crazy at all. I don't. Because it's LeBron. But James. you just gave me that like two. That yeah, might no, be two, asking too two much. Two is nuts. Okay, all right. If this series is tied up two to two, heading back to Oracle, I for just game want five, a good series. For, no it would be really nice if it was a good there's series. No, there's no chance. I know it's tied up two to two. So what about for uh, before we get into like what we think needs to change and and what we think will happen in these next two games? But Roger Sherman put it in our Slack. If he gave us an over under for Cavs wins the rest of the series and put it at <laughs> one point five, what would you take? Under. So you think they Easy. won? Right? I picked a sweep before the series. We're not changing. You did pick a sweep. <laughs> yeah, we did that together. One point five. I gave them one game. Set the line at half, Roger. Come I, on. I gave them one game. <laughs> So I guess I'm just hopeful because entertainment wise, I wanted a series and what we've gotten instead, there have been some fun, like ancillary storylines. It's been fun that LeBron James wore crazy outfits and, you know, so did Jordan Clarkson, Jordan Clarkson, and they're barking at each other and they clearly don't like each other. And there are all these like, like surface storylines that have nothing to do with basketball, yeah. nothing to do with the series. I just want more of that. Like it can be sort of entertaining from a storyline standpoint because they don't like each other, mm -hmm. but basketball wise game one was, it was great. I want more of that. I mean, that's when basketball's at its best, obviously. It's, I'm Captain Obvious right now. Basketball's at its best when the games are good. Yes. <laughs> but it's true. When the games are competitive, that's what sparks some of those moments, like the scuffle at the end of the game with Tristan Thompson throwing the ball at Draymond Green's face, all that quote-unquote other stuff. Competition breeds that. And we're not going to get that if it's 122-103 blowouts. Mm. I want more good games, man. I do. And I think for that to happen, what needs to happen for Cleveland is, again, they need to change their defensive scheme. They need to start blitzing Stephen Curry, taking the ball out of his hands, and maybe you screw yourself and that doesn't work. But again, they have, have to try. try. They have to try something else because Golden State, right now, they essentially are operating their offense against no resistance. And I think Cleveland needs to create some friction on that end of the floor by just putting pressure on Stephen Curry and making other guys have to make plays. Because right now, what they're doing, one thing I like that they've done is they have LeBron James helping off of Draymond Green who can't hit a three right now to save his life for the most part. He hit some here and there, right? but he's not a threat. So I think you need to apply that logic to other areas of the floor. Cause right now, JaVale McGee, Kavon Looney, Jordan Bell are scoring at will at the rim with your switching scheme. I think you need to do something a little bit different. A to get the ball out of Steph's hands and maybe allow fewer of those easy at rim opportunities too. What about starting lineup changes for the Cavaliers? I mean, we're I think we're at a point now where you got to throw something else at the wall and mm. see if it sticks. In the same way that you're saying, look, go out there first. You're going to tr try to figure out a way to keep Kevin Love out of the perimeter pick and roll with Steph Curry. They keep putting him in that blender. It's not good for them. But two, blitzing Steph Curry. You're trying. You're taking a shot. Maybe it doesn't work. But what you're doing right now isn't working. But then I look at the starting lineup and I go, okay, for me, the obvious change would be Kyle Korver for J.R. Smith. Like, bring in J.R. off the bench. J.R. hasn't been good. He's yeah. hurt you mentally. He's hurt you in terms of, like, his shooting in game two. Why not take a shot with Korver? What do you have to lose? I mean, it's not like Korver has been... He only played 17 minutes in game two. He didn't look great. And only only 16 minutes in game one. Yeah. Whereas J.R. Smith, 39 minutes in game one, 31 minutes in game two. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that they're uh, going so heavy with J.R. and um, not giving any minutes to, to Kyle? It, this is just a theory. Um, but my guess would be perhaps maybe it's a, a age factor with Kyle Korver. Maybe they find that he's at his optimal level when he's playing in that 
18 to 24 minutes per game range. I say that, and yet he played 31 and a half minutes per game against the Toronto Raptors during their sweep, and he was really fantastic that entire series. Right now, Golden State is really just smothering Kyle Korver. All yeah. those nice off-ball actions that they run to help spring him open, they're on top of all of them. Um, so maybe part of it is that you're just not going to get him going. Maybe the counter argument to starting Kyle Korver is that it's not going to work because of the way Golden State is p- defending him. But I do think you do need to switch it up. Maybe it's Rodney Hood. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm not trying to laugh. So wait, maybe, gotta, maybe it's Rodney Hood. This is, this, they're so screwed. They're so fucked. <laughs> yeah, like, there was, has anybody has anybody hurt their their free agency stock more than Rodney? No. Hood? Besides, we've been about besides this. New Orleans Noel. Besides New Orleans is number one. Yeah, yeah. New Orleans is number one. Rodney Hood really, truly, totally fell off. I don't even know if it's New Orleans' fault, though, because New Orleans just didn't play. <laughs> All he did is eat hot dogs. There was a moment in the game, uh, like with four minutes left, where Rodney Hood and Chetty <laughs> Osmond and um, Jordan Clarkson checked in together, and there was a picture of it. And I was like, well, that's the end. Dream right? team. Like, that's the that's the end. There's no chance of these guys getting back into it with these guys checking into the game. And yet those are the guys they maybe have to give a chance to. Right. So, so the other day at Media Day, uh, I think it was before game one, I like I had some time to to talk to Rodney Hood and a surprising development. Not only does Ty Lu not want to play Rodney Hood, but the media doesn't really want to talk to Rodney Hood because he's been non-existent. But I was talking to him. He's a nice guy. He's a super nice guy. I was like, hey man, it's been like kind of a crazy year for you. And he goes, yeah, you know, like, like as a team, it's great because we're in the finals. He goes, personally, in the playoffs, it's been kind of mm. up and down. And I was like, kind of up and down? What were the ups? <laughs> you had like 12 points and a loss against the Celtics. What other up did I miss? Like, it's been horrendous what, for him. What Did he respond to that? No, I was just thinking oh. this in my head. No, no, no. I didn't, I didn't say it exactly. I, I, I comport myself. I was, was with... going to say, damn, like that's pretty forward, guys. No, no, no. I comport Man, myself with probably much made more. made him feel horrible. With much more decorum in these actual. But I was just thinking to myself, sweet Lord, man. Like, yeah. like he, but he was nice about it. And I think like, obviously he wants to play, but like, if you're saying to me right now, more Rodney Hood is the dart that you'd throw, I would say to you... What other darts do you have, guys? I don't know. I came up with Corver. That was my dart. What I don't other, know. What, what other darts are you going to throw out there? I, and that's I, what I mean. I think that that's why I... They're, look, they're I mean, I, I'm, I'm... As as my friend Gary Washburn knows from the Boston Globe, I am the president of the J.D. Osmond fan club. You really are. I am the president of the J.D. Osmond fan it's club. It's you and, and Danny Chow at the ringer. You're like one and one A. Danny got super excited there when Chetty he, he, ch- checked in for like eight seconds. He's the president of the Dante Exum fan club. Okay, fair I enough. The, you I, got am the president, yeah. I am the president of the Jetty Osmond fan club and have been for many, many years now. And Jetty's a guy, look, we sound silly saying Jetty Osmond and Ronnie Hood we are, are going to help LeBron James win a game in the finals, but that's kind of where you are. Come down kind of where you are. I think maybe another thing, John's, maybe. Could start Jeff Green. I know that again. You know, silly. I was thinking about over that. Thompson. Just to switch it up. Well, so I was going to ask you: Would you go sl- like in addition to that? Was going to be my next one. Would you go small and take Thompson out and go with Green? The problem is when you go small, they're better at going small. Exactly. The Warriors you're, you're are better at going small, playing into their hands. Yeah. But on the other hand, LeBron James is at his best when he has four shooters, shooters around, him. around him. So maybe you do just throw, you know, gamble. Maybe maybe it's two things, or maybe it's. A hundred things. Maybe, maybe it's going small. Right. Maybe it's minimizing Larry Nance's role, minimizing Tristan Thompson's role, and going small as much as you can, and 
it's also trying to get the ball out of Stephen Curry's hands against their smaller lineups when they have a guy like Draymond at the five, who's obviously unbelievable, but then the other guys on the floor are like Sean Livingston, Nick Young. Yeah. Whoever else. Maybe they put Quinn Cook out there, right? Maybe it's Patrick McCaw, who's not a great shooter at all. Quinn Cook's actually probably the best shooter off their bench, maybe even ahead of Nick Young. But again, Crazy. He's, he's not a he's not again a guy that you're sweating. You love about. Quinn Cook. You call that No, I don't. I, mean, I you, don't love Quinn Cook. You talked about Quinn Cook on the Heat Check podcast several I, times. Not, That's I'm, your guy. He's I'm your, not, you're I'm, the president not, of the no, Osmond not. fan club, the Quinn I'm Cook fan a, club. I'm not a Quinn Cook fan. <laughs> <laughs> he's, really, a, he's a solid fourth point guard. This is really where we've where this is really where the finals have how, gone. How about the, the rails. fact we're talking about the NBA know, finals and, and some of the names that are actually being discussed in a rotation are Quinn Cook. Patrick McCaw, Jetty Osman, Rodney Hood has fallen off a cliff. Like old David West, yeah. Kavon Looney. Some of the names at the back of the rotations for both these teams are stunning for NBA Finals. The teams. 2018 NBA Finals. It's fantastic. Uh, all right, before I let you go, before I let you go, before I get the hell out of your hotel room, uh, your <laughs> prediction. You're, you're predicting that this is over, right? Like yeah. it's going to be over in Cleveland. That's mm-hmm. it. It's yeah. a wrap. We're not coming back to the Bay. I mean, it'd be great. I, lo- I love San Francisco. Really nice here. It's very, it's very beautiful. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say a sweep just like I did before the series. I'm going to give LeBron one game in Cleveland. We'll see how That's that cool. goes. There's going to be plenty more NBA Ringer content coming up on the Ringer.com this week. You want to read all of our stories. I'll have a piece between games two and three on Wednesday. We'll have a whole bunch of other content, and we'll also have podcasts. KOC will be back tomorrow with Verno previewing game three. We'll have a group chat on Wednesday night after game three. That's a lot of fun. We'll have draft class on Friday, plus a game four preview. And of course, the big boss man, Bill Simmons. You always want to listen to his podcast. He has great stuff. KOC, thank you so much. Isaac back in the studio. Thank you so much. And uh, a special thank you to all the Heat Check listeners for sticking with us all season long and through the playoffs. It's been a lot of fun. All right, guys. Bye. Bye.